Make Life Delicious, the podcast, is more than the food we eat. It's what else in life that makes us feel, be, and act delicious. We'll have conversations about real life, its messiness, and the things we can't live without. The ups, the downs, and the things we do on the daily to maintain our health, strength, and our balance. We'll talk about the unconventional wisdom and the alternative practices used in raising families, from healing to sex, because life's juicy. We are so excited and so ready to share how we make life delicious every day and how you can too. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, loves, and welcome back to Make Life Delicious, the podcast. Today, I am doing another one without pegs with the most special guest, my dear friend, DeAndre Sinet. Hello. Hello. I love this. It's so fun. I, I love getting to bring you in on just conversations with my friends because DeAndre and I met over a little over a year ago now at a Aloe event with Beam and you taught the most nourishing yoga class. It was one of those short ones that left me being like, how the heck do I get more? <laughs> <laughs> and then I found your Instagram Meditating with DeAndre and or meditate with DeAndre. Meditating with DeAndre. Meditating with DeAndre, you guys, check it out. Because then I got to have DeAndre in the comfort of my home, my own home, whenever I wanted, <laughs> guiding me through beautiful meditations and all of the tips on how to improve my practice. And you are such a gift to this world. I am so grateful well, for you being here. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. It's so beautiful to have impactful conversations. We all we all have them. So it's like it's really cool to be able to share them out in the world. Exactly. Ah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Wise beyond your years. And with that, how did you come to be who you are today, doing what you do, met with being a meditation coach, guide, teacher? artist, musician. I mean, <laughs> you are just so multifaceted. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. I, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys are prepared to listen to my word vomit. Um, we are, <laughs> we are here for it. I honestly, I don't even know where to start, but I think I'll just start with, I, I think a lot of what I do and, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually about the most my multifaceted personality is that in school growing up, you know, as a child, I wasn't good at school. I was not book smart, but mm -hmm. I was the most creatively inclined little kid. And, you know, I was, I was abused as a child growing up. So the really only ability to express myself was essentially in art. And I was stripped of my voice as a, as a child. And now it's, there's this just creative spark that has been planted into me, I feel like, um, because of the pain that I, that I felt and in, in held for so long, after I allowed myself to actually go through the experience of feeling it, it was like me coming out on the other side and it's, here's your dharma. Like my, my pain literally gave my dharma and that's just kind of something that I want to talk about today. It's just more about living understanding what it takes to walk the path of your dharma 
it's just not it's not a it's not a path that you can be you will be wishy-washy on it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a path that you can be wishy on it wishy-washy on it if you actually want to feel nourished when you leave this planet yes i love that because i think there's a huge misconception in terms of like in quotes, doing the work or on this healing path or what your purpose is. And it's so elusive and it's so esoteric. And I think we get wrapped up thinking that it's this beautiful experience, which it can be, but with that beauty comes pain, Mm -hmm. so much pain, so much, so many of the lessons that we've learned are through heartache and through sorrow and through failures. Those are some of the best teachers that we can ever experience, which I mean, to come out on the other side and for you to say that it helped you find your dharma, Mm -hmm. that is it. That is is what life, those are the lessons that you can choose two paths. Mm -hmm. And choosing the path that is taking away that this was for me and it's for purpose Mm -hmm. instead of to me and nothing I can do about it. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful, especially from such a painful past. Mm-hmm. And you're such a light. Oh, thank you. Try to be. Um, it's very interesting when you look at it from the point of view. I used to look at, or more so society in, I guess, more so pop culture or just some, it's a very trendy phrase, but it's everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I, I used to agree with it, Mm. but in the sense of my new outlook on life is that you can give reason to everything that happens and it's, it's, and it gives a little bit more responsibility for me. One of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is the wound may not be your fault, but the healing is your responsibility. And so it's, I think a lot of the times we, we do, we almost, you know, we, we condemn victim shaming, but we almost shame ourselves as victims as well. And for me, it was, okay, I am a victim. I was a victim. Somebody chose, you know, they chose to use their free will to hurt me. Mm -hmm. And I get to choose my free will to understand that they only hurt me because they were hurting. And and instead of saying like this happened to me because it was supposed to shake me into my dharma i'm not going to say that i should have been abused that's just not something that no. i want to you know that's not a, an expression that i want to speak but i do say that my soul had the ability to come to this place of i can now create something out of abuse and i think it's it's a lot more healing for me to also go into that realm when i am when we're speaking about creativity mm-hmm. and dharma, and I think those two things actually go hand in hand. You can't have dharma without creativity. You can't have creativity without dharma. Will you just will you define dharma too for people that might not be familiar? Yeah, um, dharma is like your life path. Mm-hmm. Dharma is, I like to say, it's your life purpose in path. And why I say even the path is because it is literally a journey. Your dharma is your journey as you walk this earth as a human being. And so your dharma is not just one thing that will happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It is an everlasting journey to, like Ram Dass says, we're just walking each other back home. 
And so I think that Dharma is the path to walk to the door back home. And I think we all have this, and this is just me expressing my beliefs. Mm -hmm. I don't say that anybody else has to express the same belief. But my belief is that there's true freedom in walking the destiny that has been written for you. Because it's, for me, in my, in my eyes and what I've experienced in my life is that when I step away from what God, the universe, whatever, crafted me, when I step away from that path that was given to me, I create more suffering for myself. And so it's, it's that, same, that same free will that also gives me the suffering. And I think it's been really cool to understand that I like to say that we're all just kind of puzzle pieces. And as much as we think that, you know, we are unique puzzle pieces, mm -hmm. but in our uniqueness, we all also have to be able to give up a little bit of our uniqueness to be one with each other. And it's, it's not saying that we all have to be robotic mm -hmm. and that, you know, life, we are all individuals and we are all crafted to be our own expression. But at the same time, we also have to realize that in our expression, we are just expressing each other. And so I feel like that's what has really led me because I'm not going to, I was a shitty human being at one point in my life. I feel like everyone has been. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I'm still working on those some scars. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just so healing to forgive who you used to be and to understand, for me, I used to live for myself. I'm not going to lie. I did. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I was so traumatized that I can only isolate. You know, I was depressed for so for as long as I could remember. And so I put myself by myself. I created this ego identity that I am strong enough by myself. So anybody around me, I didn't really have to listen to them. Um, I was always punished for not knowing anything. And so, you know, I created this um, shield. Like, I do know everything. Ah. Or you just, that was your defense mechanism. That was your safety. You cocooned yeah. yourself to protect yourself from the hurt that you've endured. And I just, oh my God, you, you just said so many things that are so, like, all these different tangents I want to go off on because, but first and foremost, like, the way you speak of responsibility for your actions as a co-creator of your life is so powerful also how you say like this dharma, I think it's so synonymous with life purpose, mm -hmm. but in dharma, it's like when you say yogic definition of this is that it's the reminder that it's a constant evolution. It's a constant path we'll be walking and that as we mature and grow older, it will evolve with us. Yep. At one point in time, your dharma was solely healing you and your past experiences that then could evolve to being a piece of this bigger puzzle that we all live and coming together as one to provide healing and support for other people along their dharmic path, their life path, and so forth. And I just think it's so beautiful the way that you can reflect on it and the wisdom that you share with your experience, I think is the ultimate healing. I know through my own, this 
this path or this life that we live, I think is full of opportunities to learn ourselves better. And when we are able to really reflect and take responsibility and be self-aware of the experiences that we've had and share them and release them and forgive, that is the richness of life. Yeah, that is so true. (laughs) It's so true. It's so good. And so I just... Thank you for your vulnerability and honesty in sharing this because I know for you that's something that's so deeply personal and also so powerful and healing for other people of expressing that and also the awareness that that's not okay, Yeah. but that you're, the way that you look at it, you've taken this responsibility of making it something that you can make purpose out of. Yeah, it's really, I think it's really, it's really easy to run away from yourself. And the way that our culture is set up is that it's, it's really easy to run away from yourself. Distractions. There's so many things around us Mm -hmm. that is just grasping at our attention. And because as human beings, as souls, we are infinite. (laughs) But in this 3D world, we do have a capacity. And I think we... We do push that capacity a lot, especially as we evolve and grow. Um, But I think we have gone away from the deep wisdom of rest and the deep wisdom of, of taking root into, for me, I'm starting to get a lot. I've always been a minimalist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'm really starting to understand. I I think I was more of a minimalist because it was a trend. Mm. And now it's, it's realizing that minimalism it's not about, you know, the self-righteousness. It's not about um, thinking that you don't need to, you know, own stuff. It's really the understanding that life is not about overconsumption. It's about being deeply intentional in what you do consume or what you do surround yourself with. And so for me, I think that once I started to, going back to more of the Dharma, sitting with so Dharma and Sankalpa, so my sankalpa, which is a statement, more so a statement that moves you into your dharma, essentially. Um, in my the statement that I say is that I am here to help human beings remember how beautiful and powerful they are. What a beautiful <laughs> sankalpa! I love that. I just, you know, I I have a therapist, <laughs> and we were talking about the word beautiful. And I I never really thought about it, but the only time I ever heard the word beautiful was like trying to hit on a woman. (laughs) But I never thought about it to apply it to myself. And especially as a man, you know, Mm -hmm. do we hear the word, you know, somebody calls us beautiful or pretty. Like I'm like, I don't want to be pretty. I don't want to be cute. (laughs) But I think it's, um, it's, it's so beautiful to ground down into the beauty of living, the beauty of evolving, because I have been, for the for most of my life, been trapped in chaos. And I was listening to, I was listening to Duncan Trussell. Have you ever heard of uh, Midnight Gospel? No. Oh, oh you got to watch the Midnight Gospel. Okay. Midnight Gospel is amazing. 
But he also has a regular podcast on, on Apple, um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to um, him in, I forget the person that he was interviewing, but it was a really dope, kind of just like more psychedelic musician. Ooh, okay. And he was saying, screwed up so-and-so, like name. So mm-hmm. like screwed up DeAndre. Mm-hmm doesn't actually want to be non-screwed up DeAndre. Mm. And and it was like, when it, when he said that, I was just like, whoa, this is, it hit me. Like it hit, you know, when you hear something and it hits you in the oh, depths yeah. of your soul. They're like, you just spoke to me and I feel so seen yeah. right now. How, like, like tagging me. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. I, I feel like we all have see, heard, seen, felt that way at some point. In that you know the quote is it is it Marianne Williamson that said we are um we are not it is not our darkness that we are afraid of it's our light um, you mm. know that quote right yes yes in so, the return to love yeah and I so. when I heard I've you know that's a really popular phrase a really popular quote that's been you know really plastered everywhere mm-hmm. but I think to really understand what it means you have to experience it as you live and so I didn't. I didn't really fully grasp being afraid of my light or necessarily being afraid of my dharma mm-hmm. because I was so I was so self-identified with the version of DeAndre that was still a victim that was still like okay you have overcome some things mm-hmm. but you are still a shit show in this place or that you you know you you lack discipline and you lack um a foundation for things to take root and for so long, I would pretty much just say, well, I've tried it before. I'm going to fail. So I might as well not do it. I might as well not walk my path because I'm going to fall off. Oh. And it's very, you know, it's very easy to say that. And it's very easy, especially when you like to isolate yourself from people that will actually push you forward into your path. Because I know in times that I start to isolate, it is because I also just want to avoid um, being seen. And so when I started to allow myself to be seen this past year, to go through great humility, like last year I was on a very kind of like, um, a very ungrounded spiritual awakening. Mm. That makes sense. And so there was a lot of... Most of them are. (laughs) (laughs) They're really not... Pretty sights. <laughs> Especially like now we have social media to document them. Yes. I also do feel like there was a very long period of time, like, you know, before this pandemic where a lot of people were showcasing the unfiltered mm-hmm. form of their life. So lots of tears, lots of vulnerability, like was starting to be, I, I feel like that's a huge thanks to Brene Brown and her work yeah. with, you know, really understanding shame and accepting who we are. And I think it's beautiful that this in the past year, you've really gone through this and very vulnerably and openly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been tough to, to be somewhat of like a public figure where people are looking up to me and I don't even look up to me. And so there's that, you know, there's this, There I started to get into this deep shame of living, I want to say, who, who said, I think it's um, Terrence McKenna, or maybe Joe Rogan said this, mm-hmm. 
But he says, be careful of unearned wisdom. And expect, you know, that's something that I think it's really more so applicable to psychedelics. And when you, you know, when you start to tap into that deep um, psychedelic spiritual type of awakening, Mm -hmm. it can give you a lot of deep insights. But those insights have to be lived. And applied. And applied and Mm -hmm. grounded into real life. Or else they can, I was very, I suffered from, I didn't realize it in in the time. Mm -hmm. Um. But I had a lot of type of manic type episodes. And I was, you know, I would go off on these tangents and I was living like two different lives. And I couldn't, and that created so much suffering for me because it was like, okay, I'm tasting this type of, I'm, I'm tasting a spiritual awakening. I'm, I'm tasting this really high wisdom. But I lack the maturity to even grasp it, to even ground it, and to apply it in a way that is beneficial to the world. Because it's really, you know, I was posting kind of stuff on Instagram. I went from like posting tutorials and things that were helping people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. You know, I am I am divine and I have my own power. I'm going to start to sh- share more about that. And well, it was it was cool to like talk about empowerment. I forgot that my dharma was to be more so about serving other people. And so I got so deep into the spiritual ego, you know, I started to identify like certain things. It was like, oh, I need to look like this. I need to do this. I need to, you know, I was crystalled out and stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't even I don't even have crystals anymore right now. <laughs> I mean, I want to go pick up some amethyst because I need it. But yeah. <laughs> I was I was like, I had the rings, you know, I had the big Egyptian Stuff. Like, <laughs> like pendants and yeah, it was it was it was crazy to even go back and look at myself and but that's the path. You have to be willing if you're gonna walk this path, you have to be willing to fall flat on your face. And like, it's gonna happen it's gonna happen multiple times throughout it where you think that you've learned lessons or that you've overcome something and then people in the form of mirrors show their faces to you where you're like, Oh, I guess I still have a little bit more learning to do in this facet of my life and some things that I still need to be brought to my attention. And I love the way you so eloquently say it because it is, it's this reminder that even when you think that you, you know, there's still so much you don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's that ability to be humble and realize when you come back or when you've, you've, you've strayed from the path a bit, or when you've, you've taken something, what I like to say, like too seriously. Yeah. And then coming back to the reminder of what it is that we are here to do and to, I think whenever you get to a place where you think you're, you're bigger than, better than, or like, we don't need this anymore. It's kind of like, oh, let's look into that. Why do I feel that way? Because that is, that's it. Like that is it to like kind of break it down, deconstruct and come back to that purpose of, oh, that's right. I am here to serve. I am here to be one with a bigger community and what this purpose might be, whatever that might be. And mm-hmm. that too can evolve and shift, but unless you're willing to question it, you don't know. And so I'm so, uh, I love how you have this like acute awareness of your dharma now. How did you get there? How did you discover this path? Have you always practiced yoga? Did you Did you meet somebody that introduced you to it? Did was it like this epiphany? Like, how did it come to be? Oh, that's a good one. Um, 
So my path with fitness, so fitness led me to yoga. And I would say more so trauma led me to fitness. And so I was doing more so like bodybuilding type physique competition, weightlifting, you know, typical kind of meathead. Um, <laughs> I did not know this and I love yeah. this. I used to have like veins like popping out everywhere, like in my stomach and on my back. Wow. Like it was crazy. That was such a crazy point in my life. I love learning <laughs> new things about my friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really, I was really ripped. But I was, there was, once you get to a certain point and there was a lot of, there's a lot of sketchy behavior in the fitness industry. And so once I got to this point of like realizing that this was probably never going to actually satisfy me. Um, I still, you know, no matter how big I would get, no matter how many new veins would pop out, no matter how many, you know, new followers were granted, I still, it still was, it wasn't enough. And, you know, I would sit on the, on the floor. I was a sloth, like an absolute sloth. I would, you know, I was jacked and I was this fitness persona, but people didn't see behind closed doors. I had pizza boxes stacked on the counter with my mm -hmm. roommates. And I, once I got this last little, I got, I got pretty effed over mm -hmm. um, by the company that I was working for. And that led me to like, th I needed a little bit more. I just needed some healing. Mm -hmm. I needed something. And somebody told me about yoga. I'm not going to lie. I definitely didn't want to go to yoga. And when they told me about yoga, it was like, there's hot girls at yoga. <laughs> oh, it's great ratio for men. Great <laughs> like, male. I like, you know, I like yeah. to be honest in that point. Like, yeah, it was like, yeah, I went for the wrong reason. But also, I, even that, like, I want to, like, say, like, there's, it's always on purpose. There's no <laughs> wrong reasons or wrong things to get you there because you still showed up. You did still show up. And, and I showed kept up going. To a, yeah. I showed up to, a, like, a, like, an authentic yoga. Like, it was, like, a really, going back, I don't even think I've, I'm not sure if I've been to a more spiritual class than that. Than that. Um, Where was that first class? In Jersey City. Okay. Yeah, I lived in Jersey City for like six months. Mm -hmm. And I went to a yoga class and I, I don't remember what the studio was called. I don't remember anything except there was chanting and there was just the woman. I think it was a woman teacher. She was like in a white, I want to say like a white attire. Oh, so um, like. I don't um, think it was kundalini, but oh. it was. Kind of like that, kind of like, like a blend of sort. Yeah. yeah, especially the chanting and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And and I had no idea what the hell I was doing there. <laughs> I was just like, what is this? Like this is you know. But I was like, I was trembling in downward facing dog. I couldn't do anything, and I was so competitive by nature too. And you know, I was all these girls are outperforming me. Like what the heck? You know, there was a lot of ego that was attacked in that first yoga class. And so I hated yoga. I did not want to do it again. But I guess those, when you, when life likes to spark that little, that little light, that little flame inside of you, even when you don't feel like you want it, life shows that you need it. So it was like, okay, I do need this. I do feel a bit better in my body. I never heard of a back bend before yoga. Like I, I couldn't lift my head off the floor in will pose. I couldn't, you know, I bent over, I couldn't, my fingers barely went past my knees. 
like my hips. I couldn't do pigeon. What inspiration? You guys just go check out his Instagram and you'll you'll understand why I'm like thoroughly enthralled and shocked by this because no, it's, it's amazing. I love hearing how people have gotten to where they are now. Because I think it's a great reminder that you can literally start anywhere and it's really easy to forget that we all started. We were all beginners at one point in time and what that looks like. And to hear your evolution of this bodybuilder to where you're at today is, I hope that you guys are as inspired as I am. Oh, I love you. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting path. And so I went, you know, after that, I moved back to Dallas or Fort Worth Mm -hmm. where I grew up and I heard about Ashtanga, and so, but there was no Ashtanga studio around. Um, it was like, I think Dallas is twenty-five miles, thirty miles away from Fort Worth, so there was no, there was no Ashtanga studio in twenty-five, thirty-mile vicinity, and so it was either I was going to have to travel to Dallas every single day, which is that's long as hell. Yeah. I didn't know about audiobooks back then. <laughs> <laughs> it's a so different I, time. Different time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was, you know, that was going to be a long time. So I actually got on Craigslist. I got on Craigslist Love that. and I looked for a place and I was like, I'm going to move to Dallas in the next week and randomly got paired with this, um, woman. She owned a house in Dallas, downtown Dallas and moved in within, I think four days from making that declaration on January 1st that year. And it was crazy. Wow. But I moved there for Ashtanga. You know, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even realize how much I wanted to do yoga. It was just like, there was this deep curiosity um, because it did push me. Ashtanga is a very, it's a very physical, when the asana practice is a very physical practice. And describe asana for people that aren't so familiar. It's the, it's the movement within the yoga. So it's, asana comes before a meditation because, you know, there's a, in the yoga sutras, I love the yoga sutras. Um, I know you're reviewing them right now. <laughs> yeah. I love this. And so in one of the verses, it says that there is no relaxation such as the relaxation that comes from exertion. And when you realize that, that, that is what made me a little bit more okay with, um, with the physical practice. Because at some point in my journey, I did start to vilify, like, just like I made asana or the physical practice especially on instagram i kind of made it a villain and that was when i started to go deeper in meditation i'm like meditation is better than the physical practice but it's like no it is all interconnected you need one they need, need each other they need they... each other mm-hmm. and so going back to the more the ashtanga root story i you know my teacher was just like you need to stop lifting weights you need to stop like doing all these things that are making you tight once you'd you moved to Dallas once yeah. you've moved to Dallas and you'd already got yourself situated you found your studio mm-hmm. and this teacher is the one that told you yeah you know she was telling me not to lift weights anymore and you know to really change my life and i was just like who is this woman she doesn't know anything about me get the, get yeah. the hell out of here <laughs> uh-huh and but you know i it planted a seed. You know, I I was very stubborn, so I wasn't about to stop lifting my weights. Mm-hmm. But the more that I realized, I think when it come you you when you become a little bit more self aware, you can start to see. Because when you are trapped into the kind of the imprisonment or the identification of the ego that likes to identify with certain things and certain behaviors, 
you don't really get a grasp on how one thing is affecting a big portion of your life. And so my, you know, addiction to becoming as strong as possible, becoming as big as possible, limited my body from being free. And, but then there was something that was driving me to need to be as strong as possible. So, you know, there were, there were layers that needed to be peeled back. And so I, you know, I stopped lifting weights. I went vegan. I lost like 15 pounds when I went vegan didn't become didn't didn't continue veganism because it was like I feel like I was dying, um, and I've tried it a few times. I don't even want to get into <laughs> no. I yeah, I, I think that's it's always nice to experience everyone. Like my mom and I always say, like every body is so different, and like you have to experience it to know what works best for you. Yeah. And it's so hard, and it's very naive to think that it's like a one size fits all when like. Just, I mean, look at us. We're all so different. How can different. how can you assume that one way is the only and the best way? That's just, I think that's silly. Yeah. It's, I wish I would have known that back then because there was so much pressure. And I actually developed a bit of disordered eating because of it. Um, because it was like, I needed to be the image of being spiritual. And so, you know, doing that, I didn't want it. I wanted to be vegan for the animals and I wanted to be vegan for the pressure. It was just like, this is what's going to relieve, relieve. Mm -hmm. Um, every time, you know, I would, if I would post anything with me or anything that wasn't absolutely vegan, it was like, people were like, well, aren't you supposed to be vegan? Like, aren't you spiritual and all these things? And so it created this really toxic relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really big part of my journey that most people don't know about. Um, I, would I would go on these I would like starve myself because I was afraid to eat and but then it would just be like I would also binge out when I got too hungry it was just like okay I need to eat like but then it would just be like massive bowls of stuff mm-hmm. and so after after that moving through that I still struggle with food so that's something that I'm still moving that I'm starting to apply a little bit more Ayurveda um, I think that's going to help me a lot. But mm-hmm. going through that pushed me to more self-reflection. You know, anything that creates some type of trauma, we don't, I don't like trauma, but trauma definitely has been my best teacher. It always makes me go in. And so moving forward, I ended up going to a, it was, we had, it was like a little movement meetup and I was doing handstands at this gym. And the teacher that became my teacher, she kind of just like pulled me aside and just asked me about my story. And I'm a photographer as well on the side. So she asked me to shoot the manual and I would get half off of teacher training if I shot the manual. And I didn't want to be a teacher. I only wanted to do teacher training to learn how to become more flexible for myself. And so it was it was this blessing that I didn't even realize Um and so, you know, during teacher training, it was an intensive over, over I think, like three months, uh, weekends. And it was the most soul-shaking and soul-just-moving soul um, thing I had to ex- I ever experienced by then. And I remember my first class, my, or my first, the teacher asked me to teach a sun salutation A and B. 
And I was very socially anxious. And I stood up and I froze and I froze. And they just asked people to stand up and tell me things that they loved about me. And that got me to speak. Uh, and, you know, I never really got a lot of... Um, praise. Yeah, mm-hmm. as a child. And so that, you know, I was afraid to speak. Every time I speak, I mess up. And after that, you know, that got me speaking a little bit more. And luckily, I did have a following back then a little bit as well. So when I graduated from my teacher training, I had a few, you know, I had a few studios actually take a chance on me because I had been active on Instagram and they liked my, you know, they liked my persona. And the first class that I ever taught, I wanted to, I, I wanted to walk out at 15 minutes. I it was just like, this is not for me. I don't want to do this. But, the, you know, there was that, there was that gentle pressure of life saying, just give it a try. Just keep on going. And after that, I ended up, I don't even know how it came to be, but I ended up teaching like 20 classes a week. In such a short amount of time. That's insane. And also, I just want to, how did you identify that gentle pressure of life telling you to continue? Was it the people after class saying how meaningful that was? Like, how, how do you identify that? Because I know exactly what you're talking about. But for somebody that's trying to identify this for themselves, like, it's, it's really easy to miss life's guidance if you're not open to receiving it or to hearing it like what you just so beautifully done like your life has demonstrated that like these poles these challenges which you wanted to push yourself to learn more about yourself and to go inward and to learn how to be more flexible that here you are now as a teacher of so many different modalities it's like what what did those sound like to you yeah, it was just it was more of the confirmation of a select few people of saying like this is what I was meant to do. Mm. And you know, they had the ability to see that before I could see it. And so those types of people are pivotal um, yeah. in your life. So if you ever have the opportunity to bless someone with the gift of you seeing something in them do it. <laughs> I love because that. I probably, you know, without the support of you know, my peers, I'm not sure if I would have felt powerful enough to actually keep on going. Um, so I, you know, I really give a lot of praise to the people in my life that, you know, took a chance on me. And, you know, shout out to We Yogis back in Dallas for, for taking that big chance on me. Um, and I taught 20 class, uh, 18 to 20 classes for almost two and a half years. That's a lot. And I did not, I didn't sub out any classes. The only time I really, we had off was holidays. And so I was just, I was so devoted because I didn't want to be just another influencer that travels across the world that has a yoga teacher training and, you know, just does retreats for the heck of doing retreats. You know, I really wanted to become a teacher. I want to be a teacher first and then a social media, whatever you want to call it after that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I really devoted, but in that, in that devotion, I also, I lost sight at some point I did lose sight of why I was doing it. And it was just, I was just kind of trapped in that feedback of like, okay, now I'm stuck teaching because I forgot why I was teaching. And, and that, that plays a lot with social media too, though. 
because social media, it's so performative. Mm-hmm. And you forget that social media is, is real life. It is real life. I don't like when people say that it's fake. Mm-hmm. It's not fake. It's just a, it's an aspect of life. Um, at this point, social media has affected so many people that it is real. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's your curated life. Mm-hmm. It's your curated life. And so I, you know, I was, I got stuck in the curation por- portion of life and in lost sight. And this is again, how easy it is to fall off your Dharma within your Dharma. It's <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's it's such a good reminder that, you know, even though you're still on your path, it's that that wake up of your that stuck feeling, even though you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. How did that show up for you? Like in feeling stuck, were, were there things that you noticing like resentment or exhaustion? Like you had, you were feeling spent. Because I mean, if you've done yoga, just practicing <laughs> once, three times a week can be exhausting. Yeah. Teaching. As a teacher myself and doing classes and stuff, that outpouring of energy, yeah, whoa, that's a lot. It was a lot. Like, what were you doing, like, in form of, like, your own restoration and, like, recharging? Do you think that was that what led to this, like, I don't want to say burnout, but this, like, you realizing something was off? Well, yeah, it was the lack of restoration. Mm-hmm. It was It was the lack of a lot. Well... Okay, so many people did not know that before I would teach them a class, I was paralyzed in my bed for 13 hours. Like I I would, you know, I was so deeply depressed still as I was teaching, and teaching was the thing that kept me afloat. So, you know, I wouldn't actually I would barely leave my bed until I had to go teach, and that was just kind of my escape, and so I was equally nourished as I was exhausted because at the same time, I was just like, I, I can't do this class. I can't teach this. I don't have the energy to. But, you know, I was, act- I, I, I was given the energy after I taught. You would live, it, because you were doing your purpose, it was mm-hmm. giving you purpose for living, especially when, if you, if you experience depression, I mean, that worth, worthlessness or whatever it is that you feel, it, that void you know, to then have something that gives you that life back. I, it's so fascinating how it like, it plays out like that. And it makes complete sense. I just didn't, I didn't, the downfall was not having a, it, I wasn't in integrity in my personal practice. And this is something that I've, I've struggled with up until really last month. (laughs) I, you know, it's, it gets it gets really easy for a teacher to when when you become a teacher you identify with being a teacher and so it's really easy to lose sight of being the student i love that and i also think that this is those who make the best teachers are those that are authentically living their truth by by a lot of times like we become teachers because we're needing to teach ourselves yep that's no, exactly. And and by you saying and like realizing and admitting and, and owning that, you know, I struggled with this a lot when I first became a health coach and cooking for families and guiding people to discover their best 
form of living that worked best for them because I felt so inadequate. Mm-hmm. How can I tell you what to do when I'm so young? I have, I'm still figuring it out. But that relatability yeah. is what makes such amazing teachers because you're like, that's right. You're human too. Mm-hmm. And you're on the same path that I'm on. And I just have somebody that's like, I can, I can count on. That's like going to sh- keep showing up so I can keep showing up. Yeah. And I, I didn't, before before encountering my, my disordered eating, mm-hmm. I actually used to, to lack compassion for bigger people. And it was like, it wasn't until I realized, you know, I gained, I gained a bit of weight from binge eating. Mm-hmm. And... As much as I knew about what it was to be healthy, to eat healthy, and all you know, all of these modalities that I had in my head, it was still really hard to do it when you have all these other stressful factors in your life. And so I without walking that struggle, I would not be able to like connect with others in that sense. So, you know, as much as I hate that that was something that I had to struggle with, I also am blessed with it because now I get to help people. I'm not a nutrition coach, Mm -hmm. but I do get to hold space for others who are struggling in a sense of, I understand you. And the best teachers that I've had are those that understand living. It's not who knows the best anatomy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not who's had all the teacher trainings in the world. It's those who have lived the essence of yoga because the essence of yoga is just living life. I love that. That's like everything you're saying and what my mom and I strongly believe in too is it's like these lifestyles that we live. It's so easy to get caught up in telling people what to do and what you think is right and what you should be doing. But unless you fully are authentically living that life and doing, showing up, continuing to show up and continuing to like what you do is like constantly looking inside and being like, why is this here? And I also just want to say like you addressing your own eating disorders as a male and like how few really get spoken of Mm. when it is, it's not just women only at all. That was, it's so fascinating. That's, that was like my, my thesis in my, when I studied psychology in college and I was very naive in what I thought an eating disorder was. And then when you break it down and the control and the deeper layers of what evokes that, those those habits and that thinking. It's, I think the more, what I've learned is the more that you speak to it and the more that you talk about it and get it out of the hiding and the secrecy and the shame, yeah. the more we can release this. And, and all of that is like so purposeful for these, for, for living. Oh yeah. I don't think people... I really don't think people have a grasp at how powerful transparency is. Because when you can be transparent, when you... I've experienced this in a few different relationships that I, I was never able to actually like be seen. And I wasn't actually really able to see either because we had such shields up against each other. But when you let go of the shields because of what you think, you know, there's whatever you project that they whatever they are going to value you as because of what you've done in your life, what yeah. you are. When you get over that little hump, it is, it is 
pure heart connection because it's it's addressing we're, the elephant is already out of the room. Mm-hmm. It's saying we are imperfect human beings and that's okay. But we can inspire each other out of being our imperfect beings. And so what I have realized as I, you know, as I've walked my dharma, as I've walked my path and as I now can't resist my path, I have gotten to the place, the point where I can no longer move into a place of ignorance. Like I, I tell my, I tell my friends sometimes that I hate being self-aware because I can't do dumb shit anymore. (laughs) I can't, I can't can't scroll without realizing why I'm scrolling. Like I can't, I can't do all these things. And so now life, life has pushed me so much into my dharma that now it's, it's actually more painful not to be in my dharma. It's actually more painful not to walk my path. It's, it's more painful not to surrender to what I was called to do. And I think you can only get to that place by being willing. It's just a, it's, it's a willing to go through the treacherous path, the, the dark night of the soul. You don't get, you don't get the lotus without the mud. Uh, it's so true. And it's, uh, I mean, it's so refreshing to hear somebody openly speak about what it takes to get what it is. Cause I think like you're saying, you know, with social media in these days, it's so, it's so easy to see somebody's curated life mm-hmm. and think that it was easy or that this just happened overnight mm-hmm. and that this is it. And the more that you take the time to have these conversations and to really look, look inside of what it took to get to where we are, because like you're saying, that pain that you feel that it, it takes more effort to not live your dharma than living your dharma. I so resonate with that when people still to this day, they talk to me about health and wellness and like, I lo- don't get me wrong. I love my tequila and chips and, <laughs> and all the things that like are my vices. I speak of them often because clearly, you know, I love them. Um, <laughs> but like I, majority of my life is living for health and wellness because of what I've experienced and for the times that I've chosen not to live that way, the pain I feel. And now for me, it truly is a second nature because I've practiced it over and over and over this repetition that now this is my truth. This is just how I live. This is my way of living and life. And because I've been challenged so many times with this, because I've veered off my path enough times to then get back on it, I've had experiences that have left me feeling empty or worthless or there's nothing that I can do that then you overcome them to come back to this place of being in my truth and living my life for me and for the greater community that it it helps others to do the same. Yep. And I'm just I am so grateful for you sharing your story and hopefully allowing others to realize theirs and having this conversation to help people understand Dharma better and understand what this path looks like Mm -hmm. and seeing in your beautiful feed and all of your beautiful meditations and, and classes and offerings that you do and your beautiful voice. 
<laughs> that it's, there's so much more to it yeah. and that got you there and you are who you are because of it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for walking the path. Thank you for showing up and continuing to evolve. I mean, I, I it's like, Age is not relevant to the work that we do and the life that we live because like the more that I've lived this life, the more I see that it's the people that are willing, like you said, and making their choice day to day to show up and be the person that they want to become. Yeah. That makes a beautiful life. And you have created such a beautiful life. Oh, thank you. I'm trying. (laughs) <laughs> and that we can't, we still get to do it. There's yeah, still so much more life to there's live. So much life to live. There's so much to to understand and evolve into. I and I really started to even look at the essence of evolution. I forget who said who said this, but it's a the species that evolve. We used to think that it was about competition, and it's actually the species that continue to thrive and evolve are actually the species that learn how to cooperate. And so we look at it as as the the evolution of the soul is to understand how to cooperate with the essence of the universe because it's just cooperating with yourself infinitely. And I think that's just that's the essence of walking back home. Yeah. You're so wise. No, I just I, listen to other people. And it's, but that's it. And you're so good at remembering it. You're such a teacher. Oh, God, I love you so much, DeAndre. If you guys do not already follow Meditating with DeAndre on Instagram. Get on it, baby. Get on it. Go listen to his soothing, buttery, velvet voice guide you through these delicious meditations. And... His practices, I just did one last week and it was so good. I love it. I mean, you have truly pivoted with the times of what's going on, you know, as a teacher that is in person and now your offerings and what you do. I mean, you give so much away for free. You have so much that you just give and you guys check it out. Utilize what he's offering. Go check out his classes support him. I'm all about supporting our friends and people that are doing awesome stuff. Love you. I love you so much. This is so amazing. And then is your website Meditating with DeAndre? Yeah, MeditatingWithDeAndre.com. I do currently host weekly Zoom classes. Right now I have this thing called Soulful Sunday Practice. And it's just a, it's a morning practice on Sunday. I think it's, damn it, I forgot. My I was going to say it was 8 a.m. Yeah, 8 a.m. Yep. Um, Pacific post time and then i'm also now doing a series on or not series i'm adding two classes one is going to be a beginner foundational class i don't think there's enough begin there's not enough um it's not enough attractiveness in in the beginning in the foundations and we can always learn better techniques Mm -hmm. those adjustments yeah i'm super excited about bringing that just because i had so many people that that have told me that they are intimidated to practice just because they lack the understanding of the poses. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this 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 has to happen. Um, and then I'm doing a strong vinyasa class where it's more so strength-based. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to bring these classes and really just excited to continue to evolve with the world because right now 
life is really showing us that we are not in control. We're not. But at the same time, we can co-create. And I love that's what yoga has always taught me is that surrendering to where you're at in this present moment, that some days I can get myself up into a handstand and some days I can't. And accepting and being patient with ourselves where we are. And that's, I'm so grateful for yoga and for you for continuing to offer the practice so that we can continue to remind ourselves of where we are along our dharmic paths. Yeehaw. (laughs) I love you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time and having this conversation and sharing your story with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. I hope to have you back for all the new things that as they evolve and you continue to do this, more conversations with you because this was a juicy conversation. This was juicy, baby. I love (laughs) it. And if you loved it or you have somebody that you think would love it, share the podcast subscribe, rate, and review. It really supports my mom and I and to continue to have these wonderful conversations. So thank you all and thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Namaste. Namaste.